The following production was originally produced by Cath 910AM, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Well, um, welcome back. This is Dr. Jonathan Sanford sitting in the studio. I, I um, am looking at Dave right now. He's right across the way, but um, he's left the mic to me, and we're going to be spending some time together talking about what goes on in the classroom at the University of Dallas, and we've been focusing on the virtues. We've had four segments already on the cardinal virtues, and uh, today we're going to begin a conversation on the theological virtues, starting with faith. And I just want to remind our listeners of, of what we're doing. We're, we're engaged in this conversation as a, a way to share the kind of education that we provide at the University of Dallas, which is the Catholic University of North Texas. We're dedicated to wisdom, truth, and virtue at the University of Dallas. And if you look at our undergraduate education, you'll find that one of our marks of distinction is a rigorous core curriculum, but we, we find a way to, to um, envelop that core with Catholicism. And Catholicism is then not just a matter of the rich liturgical life that we have on campus, but it's also a matter of the education that we provide, one that is forming our students in the Catholic intellectual tradition. We also have a Rome program that's a, a mark of distinction of the education that we provide. And one of the, the virtues of our special guest today, Dr. Ron Romes, is that he's not only the chair of the theology department at the University of Dallas, but he's the director of the Summer Rome program, which is a um, a program in the core curriculum that uh, provides on our campus in Rome, um, the Dewey Santi campus, an opportunity for students at the University of Dallas, but also any um, college student is able to participate in this program, an opportunity to, to grow deeper in their faith and to um, enmesh themselves in the Catholic intellectual tradition. So we're, we're coming back to the, the virtues. We're coming back to um, not now focusing exclusively on the cardinal virtues, but on the theological virtues. And the first of those theological virtues is the virtue of faith. Now, before we, we um, examine that virtue in more detail, let's, let's introduce you to our guest, Dr. Ron Romes, who is, as I said before, chair of the theology department and himself a theologian. So welcome to the show, Dr. Romes. Thank you, Dean Sanford. Thanks for having me. Good afternoon. Yeah, my pleasure. So you're a theologian. What does that mean? What, what is a theologian? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great, great question. Um, I think that, um, if we, if we define faith as, or, I'm sorry, theology as faith seeking understanding, mm-hmm. then in some sense, we are all theologians. Insofar as I think that um, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, would say that the pursuit of understanding what we believe belongs in some way to all believers. And so it's it's our um, challenge to some degree for each of us to pursue that, that deeper understanding. And that makes us theologians to some extent. Okay, so we're all theologians, but... You're yeah. actually um, a theologian, a, a, somebody a, a who professional. Has a, That's right. Somebody who has a doctorate in theology. So, what what led you to to uh, pursue a a lifetime of formal studies in theology and uh, dedicate yourself to to forming students in the discipline of theology? So that's that's a wonderful question. Um, I was the product of a public school education, and so I really, growing up, had no idea what uh, an education in the liberal arts meant or really what theology or philosophy meant in the concrete. Um, and it was 
really just a matter of providence that I wound up at a Catholic university as an undergraduate at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. And within just a couple of weeks of arriving on campus, I was sort of neck deep in, in their core and in these philosophy and theology courses and literature courses. And it really changed me. I, I was introduced for the first time to, to the great questions, you know, what is a human person and what is our end and what is the good to be done, these sorts of things. And they, there was a, a real awakening in me to, to the importance and just delight of being able to think about these things. And so from the very beginning, I knew that this was the environment that I wanted to stay in. And uh, I have to say that, that the faculty members that, that formed me uh, were instrumental in sort of showing me sort of this um, these truths and introducing me to these ideas and these texts. And um, it's largely their influence that made me think, I want to do this to other young minds and mm-hmm. sort of mentor young people in the same sort of way. Mm-hmm. So I never sort of, I never looked back. Wow, that's that's great. And actually, um, I, I had a very similar experience when I decided to pursue um, education as a as a career. I I felt so much gratitude for those professors who shaped me. I thought there's really no way to repay the gifts that they bequeathed me, but what I can do is is share those gifts with others. It's true. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a wonderful thing to teach. I do less of it now that I'm doing all this administrative work, <laughs> but somebody needs to do that. Let, let's go back so, to, oh, sorry, go ahead. But, so you had asked, you know, what is a theologian? And, yeah. you know, I said, we all are theologians, and that's true. But then you very rightly said, well, but you're a professional. Like, what, what is, you know, surely there's some distinction. And, and I think that, that, that that's right. Um, and so I, I would love to say a little bit more about this. Um, one of the funny things about being a theologian is that every time I get on an airplane or I'm somewhere in public, the guy that sits down next to me says, hi, I'm Larry, you know, I'm an industrial engineer, you know, who are you and what do you do? And I say, you know, I, I teach. And they say, well, what do you teach? And finally you get out, you know, you're a theology teacher and they say, oh, well, let me tell you, you know, for the next hour and a half, all of my theological ideas, precisely because everybody feels like they're entitled in some way to, to be, to speak theologically. And mm-hmm. while that's true, I, I think that there's there's a part of that that needs tweaking that um i think sometimes there is a sense popularly that what we're up to is merely hashing and rehashing opinions mm-hmm. that um i think people you see this reflected in the movies a lot that when the transcendent or when when god or anything transcendent is is portrayed it's usually portrayed very nebulously mm-hmm. you know, i think you know the force in star wars or um pandora had a very sort of pantheistic take on on you know anything that transcends the physical and so people have this sort of sense of of god as mystery in the poorest sense of that term as something for which there's no final answers yeah and and because of that, theology itself would seem less than scientific, less than um, dealing with truth as its object. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's a great misunderstanding, a very a very sad impoverishment of of the situation. That again, Joseph Ratzinger never sort of tires of of reminding his readers that. Uh, God is not merely a sentiment or some kind of force, but that he's logos. Yeah. He's ratio. And, and that this God who is logos has spoken a word to humanity. And that gives us the opportunity. It's, it bespeaks the uniqueness of, of theology and the life of faith insofar as we are the recipients of a divine word. Right, right. So, word of reason. 
So that it's a word of reason, and you use the word science to describe theology. And and could you expand on that a little bit? I think oftentimes when when we hear the word science, we're thinking of of someone in a lab coat running experiments in a, um, a laboratory someplace. Um, we don't think of of a um, a discipline that's grounded on the word. So you use the word logos, which is Greek for word, um, and you use the word ratio, which is which is um, a fancy terms. Yeah, Latin for for reason um, or argument or explanation. Um, it, it has a variety of, of uses, um, as does logos. Logos also can mean argument or word or narrative. So, what um, can you can you pull these together more concretely for us? So what's the connection between the word and reason and science as you understand it um, within the discipline of theology? That's another really great question. So as you say, you know, our word science evokes the sense of lab coats and, you know, measuring instruments and test tubes and things and buns and burners. But science it comes from the Latin scientia, which means mm-hmm. knowledge. And so for the, the more traditional sort of longer, older university uh, tradition, the sciences were disciplines that you might say have truth uh, in various contexts, uh, um, medical truth or natural scientific truth or legal truth or divine truth as their object. And what made them a science or made them sort of objective fields of inquiry was the fact that they they proceeded from certain truths and principles to subsequent um, uh, conclusions or principles that could be worked out by the laws of logic and philosophy. Mm-hmm. They were sort of critically acquired and thought through. That's Great. what made it scientific. Great. So just just to remind our listeners, especially those who may have just tuned in, this is the Good News Show at UD or the Good News at UD. Uh, Dave Palmer has generously, generously allowed us to uh, talk about the, the different disciplines that we have on order at the University of Dallas in relation to particular virtues. That's what we've been doing for the last few weeks. And this week, we're talking to Dr. Ron Romes, who's chair of the theology department and director of the Summer Rome program. And we've been talking about theology to try to make sense of theology. Now we want to make sense of, of theology in light of, of faith. So you, you mentioned before, Dr. Rome's um, uh, Anselm's formulation of fides querens intellectum, faith-seeking understanding, as something that we're we're all able to participate in. And um, Saint Augustine, of course, provides the basis for that formulation that Saint Anselm is is most famous for in some respects. And and Saint Augustine remarks at one point, "Credo ut intellegam," right? So I I believe so that I may understand. And and I think this is this is where a lot of people struggle when they think about theology as a science, which I think you've explained very well with this notion of, of knowledge, scientia, science meaning knowledge. Um, but it's it's a knowledge that's grounded in in faith, grounded in in, in this credo, I believe. So um, I, how, how do you reconcile those two? It's a really good question. You're right. That's that's exactly right. That you know, theology is in some sense a science like other sciences, and it has its its principles and its methods and its its logical. On the other hand, it's it's deeply or entirely unique because, unlike the other sciences, it does work within the context of a word that is received. 
-hmm. It starts with an answer that is given from the outside, you might say. Mm -hmm. And in this sense, theology is one of the humbler sciences in that it has to accept what can't in and of itself be seen. Mm -hmm. And so there's a fundamental, as you say, um, acceptance or an assent of the intellect Mm -hmm. um, without that kind of sight or demonstration in, in the way that biology might be demonstrative. But I, th- I think one of the very interesting uh, questions to, to ask in, in this context would be this. I think the theologian would ask, does the person of faith or does the person who prescinds from faith see further? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I, I think there are parts of, of our human life, like friendship, for example, where the person who trusts the other and sort mm-hmm. of makes themselves vulnerable before it's proven, you can't right. sort of guarantee that a, a friend or a spouse is going to, to treat you well or sort of um, respond in the way that they, they might or should. Um, but it's only the person who gives themselves and makes themselves vulnerable in that way that then sees something that is very real, namely the trustworthiness of a friend. And they yeah. see they see further. And so in, in a similar sort of way, by analogy, I would say that and this is very much uh, St. Paul would, would agree with this, that um, faith brings a certain kind of seeing. And, and now it's a different kind of seeing. It's, it's a seeing of, of what's, what's not visible to the eyes, but the person of faith sees further. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And, and um, so on, on the one hand, I think you've brought out really well the, the humility that's, that's part and parcel to um, uh, accepting faith and practicing theology. Um, and it's also the case that um, as you've just indicated by saying, we, we see farther, right? That theology studies the whole of um, what God is and what God knows. So that's everything, right? <laughs> I mean, so it, 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 and it's for this that's reason that it's it's usually, at least in its its medieval formulation, characterized as as the queen of the sciences, right? All the other sciences are are in one way or another feeding into into theology. So That's it, right. It's a real moment of integration of all yeah. of these different areas of knowledge. And mm-hmm. well, let's let's focus a little bit more on on faith, right? So, um, faith is a is a virtue, and we know that virtues perfect their possessors and enable their work to be done well. Oftentimes, when we think about faith, though, we we don't think about it. I mean, in in our own day and age, we it's not typically characterized in virtue-rich language. It's often described in um, uh, straightforward propositional language or a matter of, of mere belief. But what what is it about faith that, that lends itself properly to a description of, of a virtue in the sense of that which perfects its possessor and enables his work to be done well? I would... I would start by pointing out the distinctiveness of the theological virtues as such, and faith is one of those with hope and, and love, that the, the, these actions that these virtues perfect or make um, doable are supernatural. And because of this, we don't have they they are differentiated by that very sense from the acquired virtues these are not these are not things these are not virtues faith is not the kind of virtue that you can acquire by sort of practicing it unless we can always talk about something called human faith we put our faith in other friends and things like that but when mm-hmm. what makes faith a theological virtue 
is that it is an act whose terminus is in God. Hmm. And insofar as that's true, it exceeds our ability to do on our own. It's now, su- l- l- let me let me ask you to pause one second. Yep. You said it's it's a it's a virtue whose terminus is in God. That's can, right. Can, can you can you break what that, that down? Mean? Break that down for us. So that means that when someone makes the act of faith, it is to place. It, it is it, first of all, it is the response to God's revelatory action. So God reveals Himself to us. Vatican II. De Verbum says that that the um, that revelation is the self-disclosure of God's very person, mm-hmm. and that's given to us most fully in Christ, right? That Christ is the face of God, and offered this invitation to participate in divine life by knowing God and Jesus Christ. The the person, the human person, responds with an act of faith. So it's a corollary of revelation, mm-hmm. and that dynamic is a dynamic of giving oneself over to God by saying, I believe, mm-hmm. credo. Mm-hmm. And as such, it's very close to love. It's very close to hope. These these virtues draw very close together with one another in, in the life lived of, of faith. And precisely because it is a movement of the person towards God, it has to have grace. Okay. So, so faith as a virtue perfects us and enables us to perform this act of ascent to God, it seems as though some people have more faith, other people less faith. What accounts for, <laughs> what accounts for the difference between those with more and those with less? Is it is that a matter of of the gift that God has given, or the the response to that gift on the part of the the human beings? This I have to laugh because this is a question that students have asked me for. 15 years now of, of teaching, it's a question that I, I ask myself, and I, I, I laugh because I think if anyone ever answers this, they could probably get tenure really, really quickly at some really fancy place, because it, resp- it, it reflects the mysterious love of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can, I, the only answer I have is this. Uh, many, uh, some time ago, I asked one of the great um, Cistercian fathers uh, next door to the university um, uh, about this, and he said, in, in the context of spiritual direction, he said, the one prayer that I have absolute confidence that God will never deny is to pray, Lord Jesus, help me to love you more today than I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. He said, how can God deny that, <laughs> right? And so yeah. I think I, I think of that, and I think of, like the centurion's um, uh, remark in, in Mark's gospel, um, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, mm-hmm. that we, it's a virtue, right? And so it, it doesn't mean it's, it's a life lived habitually in a certain way. And, and that can feel stronger or weaker at times. And so we have to pray. We have to ask for, for greater gro- growth in, in faith. When we say the rosary, right? We pray for an increase in faith, hope, and love. And I mm-hmm. think these are very important. We pray in order to believe. You know, I, I've noticed sometimes with, with people of the age that, that you and I teach and have taught. And as I remember back to my own, undergraduate um, and graduate school days, I, I sometimes thought that faith meant, if, if you really had faith, you, w- you would have things more or less figured out, right? It, it, it would give you sufficient knowledge to um, provide a, a synthetic articulation of the whole of, of what you believe. And, um, and yet it seems as though many people can have extraordinarily strong faith and yet not necessarily articulate in a, a theologically dense and rich manner 
the the reasons for their faith, right? So St. Peter tells us we should always have a, a reason ready for our, our for what we believe, and that's true. But that doesn't it does it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a great theologian if you've got great faith, right? So that's right. No, I I agree with that entirely. It's it's somewhat paradoxical, and I would even up the ante a little bit and say this that especially in having uh, taught seminarians in, for many years, sometimes seminarians have a similar feeling that not only should they have a a rich sense of of the whole on an intellectual level, but that if they had a robust faith, they wouldn't have questions, they mm-hmm. wouldn't have doubt, they wouldn't they wouldn't struggle. Um, and I think by analogy to the acquired virtues, just because one has courage does not make standing in place in battle easy, right? right? And there might be harder times or, or easier times to, to demonstrate one's courage. I, I think, you know, the adjective in Latin for faith is fidelis. Mm-hmm. And I think something, another aspect of faith is captured in that, that we might say faithful or, or steadfast, right? That steadfastness is a part of faith that I, I think comes through very clearly in the lives of, of many saints, mm-hmm. like like Mother Teresa yeah. uh, and, and St. Therese, for, for both of whom God's presence and the truth of the faith was not always apparent. Right. And yet they remained faithful and, and committed and steadfast in, in that life. Right. Uh, and I think that gives a, a great deal of hope for me and, and I hope to a lot of people who struggle. And that doesn't mean that you have to not be faithful. Right. No, I, I find it very consoling. I was thinking precisely of, of uh, Mother Teresa and, and that example, her steadfastness during a very long dryness of, of the soul, as she describes it, where she did not feel the, the presence, the experience of, of God in a, in a um, near-at-hand sort of way, and yet she persists. And so ought we to persist, whatever our frame of mind. So exactly. We, we, we have just a minute left um, if you can believe it wow the time has flown it has um i i i like to conclude this program with uh suggestions from the guests about uh places that our audience can go to to learn more about what we've discussed and uh, do you have any such suggestions i have a couple so um i was thinking about this question and a couple of ideas came to mind first and foremost if you haven't had a chance to look at it i would say it's it's well worth um, looking up on the, the Vatican website, Pope Benedict XVI began his final encyclical, Lumen Fidei. Mm-hmm. And um, before he finished it, he retired and passed on the manuscript to Pope Francis. And Pope Francis, as you all know, finished it. And so it's a, it's a very unique encyclical in that it's, it shares the the fingerprints, you might say, of two popes. It's a beautiful document. Mm-hmm. Lumen Fidei is, is absolutely wonderful. For um, <coughs> excuse me, for those of our listeners who are ambitious enough to um, want a deeper, more um, robust theological sort of uh, account of the the mystery of faith, the theology of faith, one of the great American theologians is uh, uh, Cardinal Avery Dulles, who died a couple of years ago. He wrote a book called The Assurance of Things Hoped For, mm-hmm. a theology of Christian faith, and that's a wonderful text also. Mm-hmm. And finally, you can't do better than to uh, turn to the Summa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, in the second part, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the second part of the second part, questions one through sixteen, is Aquinas's treatise on faith, mm-hmm. and that should pre- occupy you for for a long time. Indeed, and you've just warmed Dave Palmer's heart, I'm sure, with with that. Um 
Yeah, I was uh, going to say, if we didn't get the summa, I'd have been so disappointed, <laughs> uh, especially coming from a University of Dallas professor. So, all right, he, he finished uh, really strong. But, yeah. hey, uh, <laughs> great, great segment. I really, really enjoyed that. So thank you so much, Dr. Sanford and uh, also Dr. Romes. My pleasure. Very relatable and also very academic. So uh, it's kind of like uh, uh, just everything all wrapped up into one. For more productions like this, you can visit us on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching University of Dallas. Thank you for joining us. 